Hey, it's PF channeling Ira Glass. Um, just wanted to give you guys a little heads up. The uh, Best of Cincinnati City Beat poll is out, and you have until February 5th to vote, so I just thought I'd uh, take a couple of seconds here and ask for your vote respectfully. If you go into local shops, we're under the boutique category, so you can vote for us there. And if you look under local podcasts, I think it's under City Life, um, we are not listed for some very strange reason. Uh, maybe they don't know what time it is over here? I don't know, but you can pencil us in for sure. Uh, just Google City Beat uh, Best of Cincinnati poll. You might have to open it in a new tab because I couldn't get it to scroll down all the way. So if you highlight the words, open it in a new tab, that'll let you open it in a new tab. Then you can uh, find those two categories and all the rest, obviously, and uh, vote for your favorites there as well. But yeah, uh, write us in for uh, Best Local Podcast um, and check us off for uh, Best Local Boutique. And now on with the show. This is WCPO-FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 155. Today on our show, Ray Anderson, Community and Media Relations Manager for Cincinnati Animal Care. It was not that long ago, right a couple weeks back, uh, one of our one of our medical personnel comes in with a cat carrier, like a little cardboard box that you would take a cat home in. And she's like, I just found this outside. And I was like, oh, a kitty. And she opens it up and pulls out a snake. Cincinnati Animal Care is the new county shelter servicing Cincinnati and Hamilton County. Their vision is to reunite lost companion pets, reduce the stray population, offer opportunities for unwanted animals to be adopted or rescued, and provide the public with information and programs for pet ownership. Ray joins us to talk about the shelter, dogs, cats, other critters, as well as his days in radio. We had a lot of fun talking about that. If you've been liking the podcast, you can support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com. Chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for that special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now let's talk to Ray Anderson. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. The place we usually start, Ray, is uh, with your Cincinnati bona fides. And so are you from Cincinnati originally? I am born and raised in Cincinnati. Grew up in Coleraine. Uh, I currently live in Pleasant Ridge. So Coleraine High School? Class of 2002. There you go. All right. Uh, War Cardinals, right? Go cards, exactly. There yeah, you go. See? All right. Yeah. So you've got your bona fides as well. I do. I've uh, actually. Someone pointed out. Um, my wife and I were talking. First, of all, I, I pointed out to her that I've known her like we've lived together more than we've known anybody else in our whole lives. And she stopped for a second, and she's got to say her parents. I'm like, yeah, but you only lived with them for 18 years. We've lived with each other for 35. <laughs> and then she goes, you know, someone pointed out to me. She still says she's a Clevelander. She said, but we've lived here since 1993. We've lived here longer than we've lived anywhere else. So. It's uh, kind of strange. I'm uh, my apologies for having to live in Cleveland. Heyo, heyo, but um, oh. he missed hey, it. We love, he had a we sound, love Cleveland. He had a soundboard ready and everything, and Billy missed the opportunity. <laughs> but um, yeah, now we, there we go. <laughs> now we still like Cleveland. My daughter lives there now, so 
Cleveland's great. We yeah. give it a hard time, but it's a great city. Hey, do yeah, we're all we're all in Ohio. We're all in this together. But um, it's not Cleveland shirts, is it? Uh, well, we do, we do have a store though. So <laughs> there you go. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, As as regular listeners know, you can use the uh, the, the coupon code at Cincy Shirts or Old School Shirts. So there you have it. There yeah. you go. All right. So uh, how did you become interested uh, in the work you're in now? Was that like right out of high school? You think I'm gonna do something with with animals and things like that, or was it kind of a lo- uh, longer road? This is a much longer road. I mean, I've been an animal lover my whole life. Um, I had a cat growing up. Uh, I grew up in a two-bedroom apartment over in Coleraine, so it wasn't a lot of room for dogs growing up. Uh, but my my journey really started, I was uh, on the radio here in Cincinnati for 17 years. Oh. Um, started out on uh, WGRR, uh, running boards and doing promotions for them. Uh, worked for 97.3 WAQZ, Channel Z, the second yeah. Channel Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for several years. And then really the bulk of my radio career was at Mix 94.9. And that's where I started to really get hooked up with the animal welfare groups uh, because we did a feature called Mix 94.9's Pet of the Day. And through that, we would feature an adoptable shelter or rescue animal every single weekday and try to get them adopted. I think we wound up getting about 500 animals adopted during my time there. And I started building relationships with various animal welfare groups. And uh, in the year of COVID, I got laid off from my radio job and just on a chance email uh, to one of our uh, to our executive director here at Cincinnati Animal Care, uh, I came on board the day we launched on August 1st. Oh, perfect. Well, let's get back to the radio thing. So I'm a radio guy from from way back. GRR, were you on air at all? Or were you just a, a board op? Or? Very, very little. Like uh, anytime I got sent out on like, hey, we're going to be at the Arby's from noon to one. They, yeah. would, they would have they'd go live to Sugar Ray, which was my name on WGRR. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I think that's already taken. It, well, okay. I'm sorry. It was Sugar Sugar Ray, like the Archie song. Hey. Sugar Sugar. People, people think they're going to see Mark uh, gotcha. McGrath there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no relation to Mark McGrath, uh, sadly. Although I did have frosted tips in high school, so. Oh, there you go. Sorted. I mean, who didn't during those days? You know, is a very good point. That's why. I, that's why I have no hair now. <laughs> so I don't. I don't even know there was a second Channel Z. I know there was the yeah. first Channel Z in the '90s that tried to compete with 97X. Yeah, there was the first one, which was on 1071, which yeah. was the one I listened to when I was a kid. Yeah. And then um, I think it was I think CBS Radio bought the bought the um, call letters. Aha. Uh-huh. And we relaunched WAQZ, the second channel Z on 97.3 in 2002, okay. I say, 2000. Hmm. I think it was 2000. And yeah, then- that's that's the channel Z I grew up with. Ah, okay. So now you've you've bring, you've linked the generations here, PF. Yes, we have. Yeah, because the um the first one was started by a guy that used to work at ninety seven X, and his name was Matt, and I can't remember his last name. Um, Shiv. No, Shiv went to uh, was still with ninety seven X when they moved yeah, to Austin. He was he was there the whole time. But Matt, the, and then there was Matt Sledge, who was a, who's a friend of the pod. He's been uh, a, yes, a big supporter I'm, of. Yeah. Love Sledge. Yeah, Sledge is great, and um, yeah, he worked with them f- for a little bit, but uh. I remember going up to uh, – as after the station had moved from Frog Mountain to uh, Kenwood area, and I went up there to visit. And I oh, know they might have split on Frog Mountain, actually. I might have been up there doing stuff with Gary, uh, and I walked by and saw Matt there. And he showed me the whole radio station was in a room, and it was two big computers. 
And my question to him was, if you have all these computers and 11,000 songs, why do I hear the same songs over and over, man? <laughs> he didn't have a it's good answer. It's amazing, isn't it? It's astonishing. And even to this day, they even, you know, the the station, the, our, our alternative station now, it's like, holds you, bring me to church. It's a fine song. I don't think I need to hear it three times in one week, this week, in 2021. <laughs> I mean, and they probably, and, and that station now probably has the biggest playlist of any station. Yeah, and yeah, Cincinnati. there's just more and more songs. We've had like yeah. 20 more years of songs you can choose from, but anyway. <laughs> but like your your typical top 40 stations are probably running at most 100 songs in any given week. Well, that's, that's the format. Yeah, that was always yeah. the thing. The, the top 10 hits every two hours. because You got to hear it every 45 minutes now. Exactly, yeah, because yeah. people don't listen to the radio all day long. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> well, but, I want to uh, piggyback off that question. Yeah, so yeah. you worked at, you know rock and oldies channel z and you know uh mix 94.9 on each of those three stations i mean we've we've all had jobs where we had to listen to a soundtrack from each station which one of the which song was ruined forever mm. you hear that and you're like oh god that brings back just oh, pain so many <laughs> so many songs i remember when we first launched mix as rewind 94.9 in 2009 and when we launched that, I was really excited because we had never had like an 80s station in Cincinnati. It was really focused on the 80s. And we played a little bit of 70s, a little bit of 90s. And like, I really love, I love disco music. Like, I've always loved disco music. But the sheer amount of times we played the Weather Girls, It's Rain and Men, which, again, a fun song. But that's the kind of song I want to hear once a month <laughs> as the DJ playing it. But twice a day? Yeah. I don't need to hear it's raining men that many times. I need it as many times as it's appropriate for it to rain in general. <laughs> Not just men, just in general. That's the appropriate amount of times you need to hear it's raining men. Like it, at this point, it's flash flooding men. You got to slow it down a little bit. When when I worked in Pittsburgh uh, at a station called X-15, it was an alternative station. And uh, we came on in the spring of 1989. And uh, my program director, he was kind of scrambling to kind of fill in the catalog because we were like little church mice with microphones. We didn't we, we didn't even get paid. Uh, they paid his car payment. That was his salary. And we got paid occasionally. We were semi-volunteers. Anyway, so one of the songs he rediscovered was, um, if you like, you're a fan of the alternative music, you might know uh, Warm Leatherette by The Normal. And The Normal's Daniel Miller. He went on to produce Depeche Mode and all that. Anyway, the, the young people at the time, the 15-year-olds, had never heard it before. The song was already 15 years old at that point. They loved it, and they would request it all the time. We had to ban it finally. And, it, and it's not even a great song. I mean, I mean, Daniel Miller did much better uh, producing Depeche Mode than he did writing songs. But yeah, it's just, it, it's weird how songs just take like that and take off like that. That happened to me at 97.3 when we would do, we did a request lunch that I hosted and we would we told him we would play anything you wanted to hear as long as it was rock or alternative. And that's when Green Jellos, the Three Little Pigs, got played every day in <laughs> Cincinnati for a solid month in the mid two thousands. Did you when you got into radio? Did you like when the onion was kind of peeled back? What was kind of the most interesting discovery? First starting out, the biggest shock was the DJs don't play the pick the music. Yeah, that well, was, we that did. Was the biggest that was, shock. That was the nice thing about work because since we were like an independent station, uh, we did program. Well, well, sort of. I mean, we had a rotation that the jocks had to stick to, and we wanted them to play the cut that the label was promoting. But they didn't have to if they wanted to call an audible and play another song from the album. Go for it. Uh, see, that's that's the kind of radio I love, and that's when yeah, when I started getting like request shows. 
that was the most fun I got to have. But yeah, coming in and learning that like every song is picked out in corporate radio, that was that was surprising. Yeah, and it's it's such a, a a science. In fact, getting back to the Channel Z thing, uh, Randy Michaels. Um, I went to one of his little. He, they had this mysterious seminar. We're gonna do, we just want to quiz you about radio. And that sounds like Randy Michaels. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was in a big <laughs> ballroom in Sharonville, and uh, they had everybody listen to songs. And what they were trying to do, they were they were trying to crack the code on ninety seven X for Channel Z. So finally, at the end of it, he came forth and said, I'm Randy Michaels. And he explained everything that was going on. He was very forthcoming. And he goes, if you want to stick around and talk about radio, we'd love to talk to you. And I was like, oh, this is, this is actually pretty cool. And they could not wrap their heads around the fact why people like 97X and why people did not like Channel Z. And people were like, well, we, we like the jocks on 97X a lot. And Randy was dumbfounded. He goes, our research shows people don't like disc jockeys. And then I'm like, people don't like stupid disc jockeys. That's where you're missing the connection, Randy. And, this uh, is a, a battle that I waged for years and years and years throughout my career it's the whole like oh nobody nobody cares what the jock has to say about x y or z it's like well yeah bad jock but a good jock yeah exactly it's it's um i think i always equate it to how seinfeld described his comedy it's like any if a good jock can find that little thing that you've never thought like it's an everyday thing and you can you can pluck that out of air and put it into words. That's the kind of thing people relate to. Well, it's funny. I was telling my wife the other day, like we were talking about how we're trying to find new music to listen to. And I said, you know, I should probably be listening to more like NPR, uh, All Songs Considered, or BBC Radio 6, which is new music for people like my age. But I still love Radio 1. And I love Radio 1, not really because of the music. I like about a third of the music. They'll play the 1975 and some alternative stuff. But uh, I just like the jocks. <laughs> That, that's what, I, what I'm listening for. And a lot of times I'll skip through the music if I'm going back to listen to a show that's already run and uh, just go on to hear the air personalities. Yeah, I think that's the, the biggest – I think that's the code to radio that nobody wants to admit is actually true. Like if you find talented people and pay yeah. them a decent amount of money, the talent is the product. Yeah. And I can get them – I can get the music anywhere. I can – I have the music in my phone on demand 24-7. It's what you do with the music that's going to keep me around. Yeah. Right. It's like, I want to hear what Ray has to say setting up Kylie Minogue. Like, I got to <laughs> hear it. He makes me come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kylie come Minogue. on, come on. Do the locomotion with Ray. There you go. Yeah, because well, Stern and I must learn that. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Billy, you're dangerous to have around me with that thing. <laughs> I'm just going to want to make bad jokes all day. <laughs> And as they, as Stern and Imus learned that to the point where they just, that's all they did was talk. And occasionally Imus would, would play a record. If you really liked something, he'd play a Dwight Yoakam record. But for the most part, it was, uh, you know, bits and, and, and talking and, and things like that. And I guess same thing with, with Gary. Now that I think about it, Gary was, it was all, uh, talk and bits and some interviews and stuff like that. So yeah, people will listen to a, a good personality. Do, do you miss it or, or do you, did you really find your calling with cares? Uh, Yes and no. Um, I, I definitely miss like sitting here just, you know, rapping with you guys for 10 minutes about radio and what radio can be and what radio used to be and what radio could be like that. I'm like, I get jazzed up. I'm like, yeah, I want to do another radio show. Um, but what it became just like, at least in my experience, I just I got I got very burnt out on the structure like i'm not i'm not very good with structure anyway which is <laughs> which led to a lot of like fun meetings with my bosses all the time like i, I feel like and and this is on my honest opinion on how my career ended i feel like the last two years i was the least regulated the least handcuffed i ever was and i did the best work i ever did and i had the numbers to back it up so i felt like if i could keep doing that like i would i do miss that but at the same time uh kind of 
falling ass backwards into Cincinnati animal care uh, has really wound up being like, this is, this is what I've always been ready to do. Like, this is a whole new career, uh, a wildly different thing for me personally, but this is, this is what I really want to do. Have you ever thought like, uh, you know, there's always the side route with, you know, there's a couple local independent, like internet radio stations, you know, like inhaler and radio artifact to them. Like what we're doing right now, podcasting. Have you ever thought like, well, I can always do that as you know, the, the second Avenue, even just to scratch an itch. Yeah. I, there's the itch is definitely still there. And I think, I think that's the route I'm going to go is I'm going to wind up finding some kind of side hustle to go with, you know, this is my, this is my job. This is my career uh, at Cincinnati animal care. But I think I, I have, a few ideas. Uh, I have a, a partner at the radio station that we've had some things we've been working on, or maybe finding just just like a weekend thing here or there. I think that would be ideal. I just need a little something to get it out. I don't think I need to make it my career anymore. And if I do make it something like if it's something that's mine, I want it to be mine and like it's something I own and I can do on my time. Yep. Absolutely. There's nothing quite like having 100% freedom to do whatever you want on a platform that you've created. I think like you'll this. find, yeah, exactly like this. You'll, you'll definitely find some rejuvenated juices or find, uh, find some things in the corner of your brain. You didn't know you had. Well, yeah. I, there are a lot of ideas swirling around back there. And I feel like everybody says that, like I should start a podcast. Uh, but I, I, I do have some solid ideas that I really want to go with. And then, and I was planning on launching soon. Uh, but then I, I fell into this job and it has taken up a lot of time. Not that I'm complaining about that at all. No. There, you have a very precious and beautiful and adorable job and coworkers, just my the co- furriest coworkers. My coworkers are coworkers you can touch, and they don't get mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, they'll just roll over and say, "Rub my belly." <laughs> you can't get canceled at that job. <laughs> yeah, there's. We do have HR, uh, but then they just wind up rubbing their bellies too. <laughs> it's hard to listen to them when they're, uh, you know, they're licking their butts. <laughs> Jeez, uh, that is the, that is the soundtrack of our lives. There it is. <laughs> so uh, again, how did you get into the, the whole animal care thing? You said you got laid off from radio, but before that, was was that you know? And you said you had a cat growing up and things like that. But how did those worlds kind of come together? Yeah. So uh, in last year, in May May first of twenty twenty, I got the phone call in the middle of my air shift that I was doing from home uh, that my services were no longer needed. Um, Took it a lot better than I thought I would, actually. Um, and then I had a couple months off, and it was the end of July. Um, I knew that the folks that were running Claremont Animal Care Humane Society uh, had put in a bid because SPCA Cincinnati had relinquished their contract with Hamilton County. And so they put in a bid to become Cincinnati Animal Care Humane Society. And uh, I sent an email to our executive director. I saw that they were looking for uh, somebody to do PR for them. And I was like, well, uh, I think that's a pretty translatable set of skills. Um, I have a lot of media contacts and they have a story that's going to need to be told. Uh, This changeover from the county contracting with SPCA Cincinnati since the 1960s uh, versus taking on a new humane society uh, 50 some odd years later is going to be really confusing for the city and the community. And people aren't going to know, people are still going to think that when they find a stray dog or their dog goes missing, they're going to, they're going to call 
SPCA when SPCA isn't the one handling those services anymore. So no, going through my knowledge of radio, I always knew that a format flip in radio is something that really takes like seven years to really embed in the community, which is why once stations flip, they just keep flipping because nothing <laughs> sticks because they don't give it seven years. Um, so I knew that there was a story to be told. I knew that somebody needed to be there to explain it in clear, concise, PPM friendly language, as we would say in radio. And uh, it just wound up being um, with one phone call with my executive director and our board president. Uh, it wound up, they offered me a job right there. And uh, I pretty much hit the ground running. And that was the end of July. We officially launched August 1st. And yeah, we've been operating the Northside Shelter since August 1. Wow. So uh, what's a typical day like for you? That is a great question. Um, I would say the, I mean, the biggest thing that takes up uh, the bulk of my time throughout the day, at least right now, is Facebook. Um, It's one of those things where, as so many people are like, oh, Facebook, it's the worst. Facebook, the one good thing about Facebook is it's where everybody is to look for lost animals. And if a dog goes missing, here's what a typical day is. A dog comes into our animal shelter. uh, They go into our community support department. uh, They'll send us they'll send me a photo. And then I'm posting that photo on social media with a description of the dog, where it was found, uh, when it was found, our phone number please call us if this is your dog. And then that's encouraging the community to share that post and get it out there. And the animal, the animal loving community in Cincinnati is extremely passionate. Uh, And given the high volume of animals that come in every day, that winds up being a big part of my day. Um, Also a big part of my day is anytime we have some sort of story going on, we try to get media to come out, of course, doing things like this. Um, We have Fox 19 coming in a little bit because we're currently uh, experiencing a a pretty significant uptick in strays this month. I was wondering. Yeah, it it went from we were very quiet from like Thanksgiving to Christmas. And then once the new year hit, it just exploded again. Why is Um, that? We have a lot of theories. Um, I, I think my personal theory and I don't we're working on the data. We have very preliminary data on this is I think we're seeing uh, the end of the un- the extra unemployment benefits. We're seeing uh. the end of the eviction moratorium, although I know all those things are in the works to go back into place. Uh, but I think I think uh, the housing crisis is probably is probably a driving factor. Um, economics is always the driving factor on why people can't keep their animals. Not always, but uh, a significant portion of the time it's an it's an economic struggle. Hmm. Um, so that's, and of course we're in an economic struggle right now. So that's where I think a lot of this uptick is coming from. Getting back to Facebook, do you do other platforms as well? Or is Facebook like the big platform for you? Yeah, Facebook is the primary driver for sure, but we're on next door. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, I, I'm trying to learn how to use TikTok. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think you I know how to, to, I know how to find videos. Yeah, yeah, I, even. I just don't I just don't want to see the since he cares TikTok and you make a dog do the busset challenge. Yeah. <laughs> that will never happen. Thank God. <laughs> I assure you <laughs> that will never happen. Oh, good. But there might be a lot of corny jokes. So I might need the uh, the snare drum to help. Oh, you me need out. this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need that. It, okay, it, you can have it. it it's interesting that because um, we always hear like uh, my wife works for a, a, a large package goods consumer in the community. And uh, on social media, and they're pretty. Facebook is pretty dead for them, in a way. Um, 
I mean, more so, but for us and for you, it's in, I find it interesting because like our audience is like is is the Facebook demographic for both of our two main sites, and it's interesting. You know, I mean, people tell me, oh, I'm off. I, like a lot of the young people are on Facebook. My daughter will check in on it just because we're on it, just to see what we're up to. But basically, it's dead for the young people. Um, yeah, I, I think I think even I think some young people still have it. Like I still have a Yahoo email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but it is it's it is incredible because it's something I noticed in radio was how dead our Facebook page was getting. And it started off when like when we launched, it was kind of when we launched in 2009. That's kind of like the really big rise of Facebook. That's when everybody was getting on Facebook in 2009. So uh our page blew up like out of the gate. We're this new radio station. We're this fun radio station that uh, caught everybody's attention. And we're posting like we're, we're posting pretty engaging content. Um, I think the problem then, of course, the algorithm shifted over the years. Um, and then it anything with like a link, like never seems to do anything. And if it's not like really, really engaging, it just you see. And once like people start like buying ad space, on your Facebook page, you start to see that start to just drop, 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 drop. The great thing about Cincinnati Animal Care is I think we're posting things that people want to see. Um, and we post a lot. Like, certainly the experts would say we post way too much on Facebook. If you go to our Facebook page, it is – we're probably posting on a busy day with a lot of animal intake. We're probably posting once an hour. Um, oh. For probably like 12 hours straight. Hmm. Wow. So – yeah, you're seeing you go on our page and you start scrolling down, you're going to see like they're posting a lot, especially compared to other animal shelters or other local businesses. It's a lot, a lot. But I do think I think the reason people have it is resonating with people is because it's engaging. You're able if you go on our Facebook page, you're always going to see a cute animal no matter what. You're going to see a dog. You're going to see a cat, maybe the occasional bunny, maybe the occasional guinea pig. Huh. Um, and more often than not, you have an opportunity to help. Like it's the big thing for us is we say we want we want every dog here. We want every cat here to get adopted. We know not everybody is logistically set up for adoption. So if you can't adopt foster and maybe you're not even logistically set up for fostering, if you can't do that, maybe donate to your local animal shelter. If you if we know times are tough, if you can't donate, spread the word. Like if you signal boost for us, the more people that share a lost dog, the better chance their owner has of seeing it or somebody that knows the owner has of seeing it. So I think our Facebook page has been so successful because people think that they're, they're able to help, which they are. So what is the uh, footprint uh, of like someone finds a lost dog? I mean, is it the greater Cincinnati area or is it just, uh, you know, where you're, where basically where you're located, the neighborhood that you're in? Our jurisdiction is Hamilton County. Okay. So technically any animal that's lost within Hamilton County is supposed to come to us. Okay. Um, that's, that's generally, we are Hamilton County's only animal shelter in the state of Ohio. Uh, I'll get a little businessy here, but in the state of Ohio, every county is required to have two things, which is stray dog pickup and stray dog hold for three days. That's the bare minimum required by Ohio law. Now we do, we obviously do a lot more than that. Cats are not even required by law in the state of Ohio, but um, we obviously offer a lot more. Uh, but if it's within Hamilton County's borders, we are the Hamilton County animal shelter. All right. Let me ask you about cats. <laughs> ask yeah. away. I, I have a, I have a question. So <clears throat> our neighbors um, have cats and they are outdoor cats and it drives my wife crazy. 
And um, I was looking it up and I read that, you know, cats really shouldn't be outside, especially in our neighborhood, which is a lot of woods. We're in the dry run area, Billy, if you're familiar, you grew up in the township. So there's a lot of woods around and there's a lot of other bigger yeah. critters mm-hmm. out there. And it's, it's dangerous for that. Uh, they can wander in the garages. We have a, a street that where people drive too fast on and things like that. I mean, should is it okay for cats to be outside or should cats really not be outside? If I, am I informed uh, correctly? It, it depends on the cat. Um, and cats are very resourceful. Um, we do, we do believe in community, the community cat program, which is trap, neuter, release. Um, we obviously don't want the cat population blowing up. Um, we also don't want to get in the habit of kidnapping people's cats, uh, which a lot of times (laughs) people see a stray cat and they bring it to the shelter where most likely, uh, that cat had five people feeding it where it was living. Um, so what we, what we believe in is if there are cats that are, have grown up solely indoor, they're declawed, um, they've been hurt, they're sick, anything like that. Those are cats that we want to rehabilitate and put up for adoption. Uh, cats that are living in the community, community cats, what people might typically call feral cats. Uh, we obviously would want to see that stray population go down. That's why we think trap neuter release is so important. Uh, but by Ohio law, cats are considered wildlife hmm. and it is, it is dangerous out there for, for some cats, obviously, especially once we get into like coyote season yeah. and things like that. And we, we obviously don't want that to happen. Um, but th- per the law is cats are like rabbits or foxes or coyotes. I was just and, wondering because, um, the, one of the, the neighbor cats came over and got into our tree and I thought, oh, I'm gonna have to call the fire department. Well, he made his way back down because cats are not great climbers, but this one fortunately was. And then the, the, the another, the day after he was in our driveway and I just scooted him with my foot. I said, go back to your own yards, please. And the guy comes out and yells at me for kicking his cat. And I'm like, dude, I'm not kicking your cat. I just want him stuck in my tree again. And just also, got him a little, you just gave him a little scoot. A little nudge. Yeah. We're yeah. Not, if, I would have launched him if you wanted, wanted me to kick him. But, um, <laughs> and I would never do that. I'm just saying, I would, there's a difference. And, but yeah. just, I told him, look, look, dude, I mean, we're not cat owners. We are now because your cats are constant. They're more in our yard than they are in his yard. <laughs> and so, and, it's, and we don't want it. Like, I don't want to have to keep my garage door closed. That's another dangerous. Garages are, are terribly dangerous for cats. But I'm going to keep my garage door closed all the time. Yeah. So, Um, which is ridiculous. In a case like that, um, we also always recommend any sort of shelter um, that can be provided with with straw. It has to be straw, uh, not like blankets or anything like that, because those freeze and the animals can freeze to them if they get wet. Oh. Um, But (laughs) straw, a straw lined shelter, whether it's a box, a uh, dog house, a cat house, mm-hmm. um, something like that. Uh, that should that should keep the cat occupied. A little Rubbermaid container there with a go. hole cut in the top. Mm-hmm. Of it. Ah, okay. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's the best way to keep a cat safe uh, when we start to get cold and they, they live primarily outside. Hmm. And don't forget, cats are the number one killer in the animal kingdom. They they are apex predators. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. That yeah, cats are cats can be. They just do it for fun. Yeah, like, that's the other thing. They're not just looking to eat. They're just nature's little sociopaths. But they do like, oh, the, yeah, they like the I brag, mean, too. I mean, you saw my cat walking around my couch earlier and then got off. And then we have multiple towers and we will just I will just look up and I'll see my sweet little king, little King Ezra on top of his tower looking up in the corner. And I'm like, oh, are you getting a bug? And I'll watch him hop off each side of the corner of the wall, go up and just swat and just kill a bug for fun and then just look at it look at me and go Meow, and then just go back to licking his paws it's the thing that amazes me if you go to the zoo 
and you watch like wolves are totally different than dogs, but any size cat is the exact same as any. any that's house true. Cat. Yeah, that's that's so funny. Lions, I, um, you put a box in front of a lion, they will get in it. They will do the if it fits, I sits. Yep. Uh, I remember my cousin's cat growing up, man, he had these big, huge, like, uh, hind legs, and he would bring down, like, rabbits and things that were, like, his size or bigger, and then he would brag about it. He would bring them to the door and say, look what I did. <laughs> yeah, because they think you're a lousy hunter, and they're like, look what I did for you. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, we had an outdoor cat named Mr. Puss. He was huge. He was, like, three feet long. He was probably, like, 30 pounds, and he was mean. And one Easter, my family got us a rabbit. Adorable, right? Uh-oh. Well, my grandpa came over, and when, we, when he came over, we were like, hey, be careful. Don't let Mr. Puss in. And he opened the door, and right behind him was Mr. Puss. <laughs> So the rabbit, he saw the rabbit, Mr. Puss bolted in, chased the rabbit around the entire first floor of the house, oh my God. got out the front door, and we're all just standing on the porch, and three minutes later, Mr. Puss brings up the new rabbit in its mouth and drops it at my feet, oh. <laughs> he looks up at me and goes, meow. You're welcome. <laughs> He's like, congrats, I made dinner for you, you psyched. Oh. That is traumatic. Oh, geez. So Easter is, uh, has never been the same. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can imagine not. Yeah. So stick with chocolate bunnies on Easter for you, Billy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't go to the mall anymore in April. It brings back bad <laughs> memories. Mr. Push, like you should, you should be thanking me for getting rid of this unsightly rabbit. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. So you say the stray population has, has gone up. So what are you guys kind of doing to help uh, address that? So, I mean, it's always a challenge for us. Um, we this is an old facility. This again, this facility was built in the 1960s. Um, it houses about 100 dogs. We have about 100 kennels. Uh, we could, of course, get creative when we see more than that. Uh, but the big thing for us is our robust foster program. Uh, currently, um, we have two people who kind of run our foster program. And between the two of them, there are about 200 animals in foster right now, dogs and cats. Um, particularly when we see like it's another another kind of cat that we wouldn't want to put back out into the community with trap neuter releases, uh, a pregnant mom. Uh, we want to keep them and their kittens will be adopted out, obviously. Um, but so like during kitten season, we need a lot more kitten fosters right now. We need a lot more dog fosters, uh, but it does allow us to expand our capacity. Whereas here we have space for a hundred dogs. Uh, if we have a hundred fosters, then technically we have 200, Ke- not kennels, but space for, for dogs. And that's why fostering is going to wind up being the future of animal sheltering. If we want to be a no kill shelter, which is our philosophy, the only way we're going to do that is with community support. Uh, and that's adoptions, fostering, donations, signal boosting and fostering uh, and literally will save lives. It's a, a case where a, a dog comes in and we don't know anything about it. And if somebody's willing to take this dog on and learn about it, that makes them and they send us photos and they send us videos and tell us the cute story about this dog's personality, which we would not get here. We can make these animals as comfortable as possible here and we like to consider ourselves more of a summer camp than a dog jail um but it's it's not where an animal should be this is not this is not the environment that a dog should be living in dogs are social creatures they're companion animals and when they're in a foster home that allows us to learn more about their personality 
and that makes them a better candidate for adoption in the long run. So outside of fostering the animals, how else have you changed the environment from the SPCA to Cincy Cares, especially in the Northside shelter? Uh, we certainly, I, I, I certainly can't speak for how SPCA Cincinnati did things before we came on board, but I can tell you um, our philosophy is is a no-kill philosophy. That means, and that, that verbiage is loaded as well when you say no-kill, because uh, a lot of people have different ideas of what that might mean. A lot of people might think that there's never any circumstance whatsoever that you're going to put an animal down, and that's that's just not the case. We we do believe in euthanasia, which euthanasia literally translates to to end suffering. And if an animal is suffering, uh, we don't we don't want that to continue. So we we do you know we'll see a dog come in that gets hit by a car and it, it's too far gone for us to to be able to rehabilitate. So in, in a case like that, we would euthanize a dog or a dog or cat that's gravely ill, very sick, suffering. We don't want we don't want that to continue. Uh, and then any animal that poses what we would consider an imminent threat. Uh, to the safety of the community, that would be something we would do. But we do operate under a no-kill philosophy. Um, I, I know our biggest change here in Northside is that we only have one dog per kennel, uh, which is why we fill up so quick. Um, and we've we've run into it, I would probably say, three or four times since August where we're like, we're full. And that's because we believe in only one dog per kennel. Now, if a bonded pair comes in, uh, two dogs that we know 100% have to be adopted together, we might kennel them together. But in the time that I've been here, I think we've only I think we've only kenneled like three pairs of dogs together. Um, we do have one bonded pair in foster right now that we were kenneling together. Uh, we had, we had a group, but we had a pair of fosters come in. Uh, they were, they're the type of people that travel a lot. Mm -hmm. They get, they're like worldly travelers. They don't have children. Um, but obviously they've been grounded from doing that because of COVID. Uh, so they came in and they were looking for a challenge and they took on two big dogs uh, that had to be adopted together. And what kind of big are we talking about? We're talking like 75 pound pit bulls. Oh, big boys. Big, big girls. Big girls. Big actually. girls. Wow. And, uh, and it has given us so much information about these, these two dogs. Uh, and they've been incredible fosters for us and, and such a great story uh, to, to see two people that have uh, would normally be traveling the globe, just uh, settling down and, and helping out two shelter animals. Um, but yeah, to get back to your point about the biggest changes that are the biggest things about our philosophy that might set us apart from other shelters, um, is we do have a no kill philosophy, um, one dog per kennel. We utilize foster and rescue so much. We have so many great rescue partners that will come probably about once a week. Uh, Sixa, uh, is, is a great one up near Dayton. They'll come in and they'll pull like 10 dogs a week from us. So they, wow. they help out immensely. And it's that kind of partnership. I think the big thing that we want to that we always want to get across about our shelter is this is not a walled off fortress. There's not a moat around <laughs> around the place. Um, we are we are welcoming the community. We are a community resource and we want people to come. We want people to meet dogs. We want people to meet cats uh, and we want to be able to help people. Uh, in need, that might be another thing that sets us apart a little bit is um, if the if the difference between you having to give up your animal is you can't afford a bag of dog food that week, we will figure that out for you. We will right. we, we will get you a bag of dog food that week. Uh, we'll give you resources for low cost vet care as best we can. Uh, we the, I think that might be the big philosophy here is we don't want animals here. We obviously know animals <laughs> are going to need to be here. 
Um, but we don't want them here and because it's not good for them. We want to do what's best for the animal, and that's getting them into a home. Um, right. I was curious. You said that you know it's not a, a the ideal place for dogs or cats. Slightly more adaptable because they do tend to be solitary creatures, or it isn't really much better for them either. Um, you know, we have uh, we have a big room that we call our cat colony where cats can coexist and they just roam freely in it. It's kind of like it's like a cat cafe, but you can bring your own coffee. <laughs> I have I have suggested we set up a little coffee bar there and we start pouring for anybody that wants to come in. Um, I'd never leave. But there are some cats that just don't do well with other cats. So they they get put in a kennel, too. And it's that's not a place. That's not a life for a cat. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we certainly don't want that either. So uh, the good news is with cats is they a, a lot of times they move very quickly. If somebody's coming in looking for a cat, they're going to find the cat they want here. Um, of course, when you start getting into like some of the senior or older cats or cats that might have some complications, they might hang out a little bit longer. Um, but cats are also naturally stoic. And even if they are mad, they won't let you know it. So now is the, is my little buddy still there? The one who claps? (laughs) Oh, oh, the kitty that the kitty that looks like he's praying. Praying, Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think that cat's name was Smokey. Uh, so Smokey is long gone, Billy. Thank God. I was worried. Long gone. Yeah, we don't, like I said, our cat residents don't stick around quite as long. There are there are a handful that will, um, but more often than not, cats are usually uh, out the door pretty quick. And we'll have some, not as, not as long-term as some of the dogs, for sure. Right. That totally makes sense. Um, you, you were saying that um, it's you know, predominantly dogs and cats, obviously, and there's the occasional other animals. But um, I'm curious, because I was just thought about this uh, with, like, in Florida, of course, this is a big problem with people releasing things like boa constrictors and iguanas and things like that. Is that kind of – do we have an exotic animal problem here like they do down there? Uh, certainly not like in Florida. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I know <laughs> snakes are my – are one of my top five biggest fears. And it was not that long ago, probably a couple of weeks back, uh, one of our one of our medical – personnel comes in with a cat carrier like a little cardboard box that you would take a cat home in and she's like i just found this outside and i was like oh a kitty and she opens it up and pulls out a snake oh and just like you know your garden variety Mm -hmm. snake that you would find in your yard longer than i was expecting and um the shriek that came out of my mouth (laughs) (laughs) You would think I was going through the dense schoolhouse by how <laughs> the, the noises that came out of my mouth in that case. Um, but I think that was just a case of a staff member saw, found a snake and wanted to help it. Um, I think it got caught in a glue trap, actually. Um, oh. So they, they wound up saving that snake. In terms of what comes in as stray, uh, no, we don't see, we don't see a lot of, uh, of wildlife come through like that. I do think we had a bearded dragon come through. Um, hmm. and I think that story was the police were chasing somebody and it fell out of his pocket, which I, <laughs> I'm not, I don't think I'm making that up. Uh, but then the, uh, one of our officers, one of our dog wardens came in with a bearded dragon sitting on their vest. Huh. Well, normally when I'm carrying my bearded dragon, I <laughs> keep it in my pocket, <laughs> in, you know, just something it, you're, you're like a mother kangaroo in that That's case. Right. And I'm always just casually running from the police. Whenever I put my bearded dragon in my pocket, the cops just show up. The bearded dragon is the problem. He's the one going out, (laughs) causing all this ruckus. Wild creatures, I'll tell you. Yeah, I I would say typically if we're going to see something like a boa constrictor 
or a bearded dragon or even like fish uh, come in. That's typically a situation where we're going into a home and maybe an owner died um, and or maybe somebody's been arrested and Mm. we, we need to take the animals out of that situation. So we have. We did have a situation where he had you know, a couple dozen fish had to come in uh, a couple months ago. The, the aforementioned bearded dragon. Uh, <laughs> but it's definitely not like Florida where somebody could get a gator in their swimming pool. I hope yeah. not. Well, you mentioned guinea pig earlier. Yeah. Is well, is that a thing? We have had stray guinea pigs come in. Now, stray, quote unquote. Um, I mean, I think that's probably a situation where somebody, either the guinea pig escaped uh, from mm-hmm. its enclosure and got out of the house or uh, people weren't ready for that responsibility and they just set it free. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. It's pretty rare that that happens, but it has happened. Do people drop them off and say, look, I'm moving. I can't take care of this animal anymore. Oh, sure. And uh, that's another thing uh, that we want to get across. And and again, to the point about what sets us apart from other shelters, uh, not every other shelter, but in a lot of cases, People are feel judged. And that's I think that's a big thing on why animals end up on the street is they feel a sense of, of shame or remorse or guilt. And they don't want to they don't want to come in because they feel like they're going to be judged or somebody's going to speak to them very harshly. And that's not how we do things here. And I think that that's a big thing about our philosophy is we hear it so much from people. And even myself was guilty of it. Uh, before I had the philosophy explained to me is that we have this mindset. So many people have this mindset of I hate people. I love animals <laughs> like people suck, but dogs are great. And, you know, I'll be the first person to tell you, like, I know people can be annoying. <laughs> like I know that. <laughs> but the thing that we really, really want to get across is that there's no shame. If you can't keep your animal, please bring it here um, because and that it, it's safer for the animal because if somebody's like, if somebody feels that I can't look somebody in the eye and give up my dog, I'm just going to let my dog out in Mount Airy Forest. That's dangerous for the dog. We want to do what's best for the animal at all times. So that's why we encourage people not just it's not just a drop box. You can't just come on up and be like, here's my dog. You know, we want to do we want to do a phone call. We want to do a consultation. We want to see if there's anything that we can do to keep the animal in your home or even help you rehome the animal before bringing it here. That's the thing that you'll see on our Facebook page uh, a few times a week is you'll go through and we're trying to help with rehoming assistance. Somebody has to move. They can't take the animal with them. Somebody's uh, it's their dad's dog and dad's in the hospital and they don't know if he's going to be out anytime soon or he has to move into assisted living. Um, economic crisis hit hard. They simply can't afford it anymore. These are, it's sad. And I think that's where there's got to be a level of empathy uh, from an animal shelter. So if you really want to solve this problem, you're not going to solve it by shaming people. And that's where the idea I was going with when I talked about it's not being a fortress. Well, I mean, that's how, I mean, when you brought up um, an elderly person giving up the animal, that's how I got my two kitties from the shelter was, you know, uh, we walked in, they were bonded. They were laying, laying right next to each other in a little basket. And it turns out that the mom had these kittens and the lady was had passed. And so they gave up the kittens, which is like, that's the right thing to do. That shouldn't be a stigma. You're 100% right. And the idea that like letting a dog into the forest shouldn't be just like, 
well, this is what I do. Instead, have the courage and know yourself well enough that I can't handle this situation. And that's that's great that you guys are getting that word out and helping people out and help them realize what to do, how to do the right thing. It's a big thing for us when we do run into rehoming situations and we post these on Facebook and people will ask like, well, why is the animal being rehomed? And if it's not behavior related to the animal, we're not, we don't feel like that's relevant. And I don't want, I don't want to get into the habit of people of being like, well, they have to rehome this dog because they can't afford it, or they have to rehome this dog because they're moving or whatever, and have people get judged for that on Facebook. Like, I don't want to see that happen. We know how social media can be, obviously. So for us, when a rehoming situation comes up, if it's I'm rehoming this dog because it bit my child, we're obviously going to disclose that information because that's public safety. But if right. it's a situation of of we're falling on hard times, we want to respect your privacy as best as possible in a case like that. And it, it's it's one of those things where it's not going to be no questions asked if you come to bring an animal into the shelter because we want to know. We want to make sure we have all the relevant information about the animal. Um, but it's definitely going to be judgment free. Awesome. And how often does it happen where you do go have to are called into a situation where someone's been incarcerated or someone has passed away, or maybe it's even like a hoarding situation of animals and, and other stuff. Is that a fairly common occurrence? Yeah, uh, I would say so. Um, we have had situations where our dog wardens, um, animal control officers, dog catchers, as they would have been known in the 1960s, oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, have to go, have to go into situations, uh, heartbreaking situations that they'll have to see. There was a, uh, elderly person who passed away and they're, when they went into the house, like police went into the house to do a wellness check and called us because they found an animal. And when we got there, the animals still in the person's lap. Like I, I, I know, right? Like it's Ugh. heartbreaking <laughs> and the loyal, they're loyal to the end and beyond, man. Um, so we see that we see, you know, we work with law enforcement uh, when somebody has been incarcerated um, and we, we will harbor animals as long as we possibly can. Typically when that, when situations like that happen, we want to find family that would be willing to take in the animal. Uh, if somebody's only going to be away for a little bit, uh, we can work something out with them to hang on to the animal for, for a little bit. Um, but in the event that the animal is going to wind up staying in our care, that's when they go up for adoption. And how do you rehouse fish? <laughs> that, <laughs> well, is a, that is a great question. Uh, typically, we look for local aquariums or fish or fish rescues, which is a real thing. Well, I was just curious because my uh, my late father in law was in a big group of uh, folks up in Cleveland that they it was like a, f- a tropical fish club, and they all had these big tanks. So I reckon if you just would have contacted them, they could have been like, "Oh, sure, some one of our members would come take a look and say, oh, yeah, this would be perfect for Bob. He has these kind of fish.' And yeah, things curious like that. Yeah, okay. things like that. Those are the situations." where you start to got it you got to get creative and you got to start networking well, yeah. well pf wouldn't you say he wouldn't be in a group but he'd be in a school yeah. ah! <laughs> there you go yes there we go it's pretty great sales out you. over the fence <laughs> 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 nicely done um yeah i was just curious and we had people on um uh, the friends of the show aquarium artisans uh then we'd be good folks to for you guys to get connected with because um i mean they're more in the uh especially of building the aquariums but they they might know folks that you know can you know oh if you're building this aquarium we know where you can get some fish 
Yeah. Well, that's probably not very common. You you said it's just an occasional thing where people will bring in fish and other not dog, not cat animals. Fish are pretty rare to come in. But again, you never we never know what kind of situation uh, we're going to walk into, particularly when our officers are in the field. Um, you, You just never know. And every day, every week, I would say there's something like, huh. We haven't crossed that bridge yet, but okay. Now I got to figure out what we do in that case. But it, it happens. It, it a specific thing of we found five hundred fish in a hoarding situation. That's huh. pretty rare. Yeah, yeah. But but it's not impossible. Is that a big with the dogs and the cats? Is that a because you see on the news every now and then? You know they'll go to some place and they'll be like you know fifty cats or you know about a dozen dogs. Is that does that happen a lot or is that just it's a- definitely more common in rural areas, um, particularly where people have a little bit more land or a little bit of a bigger house. You don't you don't. It's certainly not unheard of to have a hoarding situation in an apartment, but uh, since we're in more of a since we're more of a city in Hamilton County, it's a, it's not uncommon, but it's not as frequently as our team at a, our previous sister shelter in Claremont was seeing. Okay. Um, well, gosh, I've learned a lot today about. That's you know, what we're here to do. We're here to entertain and inform. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, and how can folks find out more? Of course, Facebook, and I'm sure there's a website and. Yes, the website. You can find all of our adoptable animals at CincinnatiAnimalCare.org. Uh, we're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Cincy Animal Care. Of course, Cincy with a Y, the right way to spell it. Exactly. But um, people always ask. Yeah. yeah. And, um, um, and we're always uh, – we're open every single day from noon to 6 at 3949 Colerain Avenue in Northside. Can't wait to follow the TikTok and see the Pitbull Busset Challenge. I just can't wait. <laughs> I know, not right? It's going to happen. <laughs> come on. Well, so the important thing is for us folks out there listening to know if you ever do come across a stray or know if someone has come across a stray or something like that, to contact Cincinnati Cares and uh, they will help you get it sorted. Yes. And check out the collection. And That's the, yes, go buy those yes. shirts. Yeah. Buy the shirts. They're, they're adorable. S- they're adorable. They're so great. I just got mine uh, in the mail yesterday, actually. Well, oh, which one did you get? I got uh, I got the Great Barks. I got Too Tempting. That's a good one. And uh, I picked up another Kitty City uh, for one of our coworkers here. Uh, Kitty City is adorable. It is adorable. They're all great. And the uh, friend of mine got the Put Me or Take Me Home Coach. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a big Reds fan. Uh, so they're they're just really great shirts. It was that was a really incredible thing to be like. Here are a couple ideas, and watching your team bring it to life. That's oh, it blows my mind. It's got to be what like somebody who just writes scripts and then or they like wrote a book that got made into a movie and they see it like oh, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or they're like oh no, that wasn't the, my intention. How did you? Oh no, they butchered my baby. <laughs> Transformers weren't supposed to do that. Yeah. Well, funny story. <laughs> exactly. I, I remember uh, Peter Siegel, the guy that hosts Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR. He actually uh, wrote a screenplay. It was the sequel to, I think it was to, not La Bamba, uh, some movie that was a big hit. He wrote a sequel, and the subtitle was Havana Nights. And anyway, in his script, he said, after it was all made into a movie, they saved, they only had one actual line that he wrote, ended up in the movie. And, oh, that's uh, on the brutal. other, I'll look it up on the other side for folks who are curious what what the movie was. I, it wasn't 
La Bamba, but it was something like, it might have been Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. I'll look Havana it up. Nights. Yeah, Dirty yeah. Dancing Havana Nights. It is. Yes. That is it. Written by Peter Siegel of uh, of NPR fame. But yeah. So, but anyway, now I'm learning things. There you go. But back to the to the shirt collection. We've we've segued sort of clumsily now into a, a way to save on those shirts because, uh, as you may know uh, from listening to the podcast, that uh, as the guest you get to choose the coupon code that people can uh, use to save twenty percent off not just the uh, Cares collection but any shirt from Cincy Shirts or old school shirts. So uh, it can be a, a word or a short phrase. Uh, Ray, what would you like that to be? Uh, let's see. Okay. This is big pressure. Cause like sometimes I get to name dogs. Oh, and then that's, uh, that's, that's exciting, but there's a lot of pressure there. So I'm going to say our, uh, our thing should definitely be kitty city. Oh, perfect. All right. Yeah. Perfect. I like kitty that. City. All right. <laughs> kitty city. Kitty City, here we come. All right, man. Well, great. We well, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, of course. To, to do this, and uh, yeah, and uh, and you know, let us know when you get the podcast sorted, and uh, we'll certainly help you promote that as a friend of the show. Oh well, thank you so much. I great. appreciate that. All right, super. Anything else from the Billy you want to cover? Another drum roll, another uh, rim shot. Nailed it. All right, there we go. All right, man. Uh, well, uh, thanks, guys, and uh, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Right, bye bye. Ray Anderson, thanks to Billy for joining us as well. And uh, that's a lot of fun, huh? And uh, I don't know if we've used this playout song before. I have a feeling we have The Alarm, Rescue Me. What a tune. Forget how much I like The Alarm. It's from the album Eye of the Hurricane. Do check those guys out if you're not too familiar. All right, so, and also be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area, but still feel connected to the Tri-State. And if you haven't already, as always, check out the Cincy Shirts podcast archives, 154 great episodes back there, 155, including this one, of course. And today's show is produced by me, with all from Josh, Darren, and Billy. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. Find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage teas from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and more. Atlanta, that's a big city for us now. Uh, like We have over 32 cities in old school shirts where you'll find the usual collection like at Cincy shirts of old malls, old restaurants, defunct sports teams. Those are very popular. And again, the promo code of this episode is... Kitty City, just like it sounds, with uh, two Ys, Kitty and City. Kitty City, all one word, all lowercase, all uppercase. That part does not matter. Use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news, of course. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.
goodbye I wish I said goodbye